Hi everyone, today is November 23rd, 2019, and this is the Duel Assessment, your podcast for Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links. My name is Green Ranger, and there is a bunch of things going on right now. Uh, Kaiba Cup is in full swing, stage 2. People are fighting for their lives, their competitive dueling careers, uh, any chance at glory, any personal bests, things like that. Uh, we'll talk about the Kaiba Cup. And how streamlined it is. I think it's very streamlined based on the cards they received. Um, we're going to finish up the discussion of Aerial Assault. All the R's and N's that are not you know, Black Wings. We'll talk about those cards. And any other um, you know, spare cards that I find interesting. Uh, we're talking about Kiteroid. Kiteroid is definitely a game changer in terms of cards available to everyone. Um, that's from the tour guide mission. Bingo, we got two copies of that card. Definitely has shook up the meta. Doug Dimidul is here. He has updated Battery Man. It's kinda, it kind of goes along with the uh, other cards included in Aerial Assault that are not Black Wings. We have the new news for December. Um, and also, it's Yu-Gi-Oh! Day. Um, there's, there seems to be a day for everything nowadays. It could be Grilled Cheese Day. It could be... Singles Day, it could be whatever, but um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Day, and that is what the podcast question of the week is, so we'll have a discussion about what keeps us playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Alright, so as for myself, Stage 1 of the Kaiba Cup was testing. It it was very difficult for me, I think. I, I was doing it with Fortune Ladies, and it was not a bad Fortune Lady deck, it was complete. It's rare that I play a complete deck, and this was a deck where I had three fortunately callings. I had all the cards. I was playing the counter version, so it relied on Parshaf and um, all those counter traps that go along with it to get some negation plus some board uh, board presence with the Neo Parshaf. But I can't even say I would have gotten to DLV Max with it. I got to 19 a few times, and then I dropped back to 18 a few times, and after a few times, I decided it was enough, so I may have played a few Vampire games, I'm not sure, that's kind of my ladder deck, but I decided to buy half, I spent half of my gems, which is about 2,500 on, somewhere on Dark Dimension, and I already had, um, I think I had two Invocation already and one Alistair, so then I just needed a second Alistair, you don't, you don't really need that many invocations but um i have seen the invoked deck the magellanica version and i've been beaten by it and i decided to go for that deck um since all i needed was another alistair and i got my second alistair so i've joined the bad guys i am playing sorcery conduit invoked one turn kill deck with magellanica the goal is you have strap dragon you play Alistair, you turn to Black Rose Dragon, you blow up the board, you play Invocation, you use the two materials or some other Earth Monster, get Magellanica back, get Alistair back, and then hit for 4,000. That's the goal of the deck. And it works fine immediately. It works, it works very well. Um, of course, you have to play around certain things, so there is a stall component to it. Um... You do that with Floodgate and things like that. Uh, Sorcery Conduit, of course, is... I think it was one of the skills that was buffed recently from the last skill balance. And it may have been a problem because 
you have Cosmic Cyclone, you can easily trigger that if your opponent plays any spells. So again, you could draw Alistair the next turn. I personally run Herald of the Abyss, which I find is a really good card. You pay 1500 and you don't target a monster. You declare their attribute and type, and then your opponent picks that card and sends it to the graveyard. So you avoid destruction. Send to the graveyard is a better term. This is why Yu-Gi-Oh is Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Send to the graveyard versus destroy with card effect, right? So, and non-targeting, of course. So, um, Herald of the Abyss is another card I could use to trigger Sorcery Conduit. Um, you know, you run your three Scrap Dragons, of course, and then I run um, one of each Water Monster. Use Water Monsters for uh, Coxitis. Um, but I don't have too many copies. I, some people use Flip Flop Frog, that's fine. But I feel like that is something you go all in, so you run like two or three flip-flop frogs and i want the flexibility of these other cards so nightmare penguin i'd run more nightmare penguins if i had them but only have one um that card it sends any card back to your opponent's hand so that's good for flexibility it's got okay stats it's like 1100 1800 it buffs itself so it gives all water monsters 200 so think about it 1100 1800 and then you're running concentrated current so he could hit for 2900 it's not bad I do run a copy of Gale Lizard, 1400 attacker, not the worst. Um, it works well with another card that could turn into 2600. I forget which one that is. Anyways, uh, Snowman Eater 2, one copy. That one's not really for attacking, that was just um, clear opponent's monster. So, um, Yeah, and Econ works really well with Invoked. You could, um, when you play Alistair, you could Econ take Alistair, and then you could use invocation to kill them with their monster you could steal i mean you could use either the the monster you stole as the material for invocation or you could just use it in addition to attacking so econ is also it's definitely the card you should use your semi-limit on your semi limits slot on i think or uh yeah so you know i'm playing the kaiba cup and let me see the updated standings right now it's 10 30 a.m I think they update every half hour, that's why. I'm at 12,285 DP. And my global rank is 9,039. So I'm in the top 10,000. That's typically where I shoot my... Uh, I stay... Um, not in the top 500 in America, in North America, though. So I'll, I'll keep playing. You know, I'm not going to go hardcore. I never do, really do go hardcore with the Kaiba Cup. But... Um, you know, I'm playing the main meta deck right now, and I'm facing some really good competition. I got a really good game yesterday with a Dark Lords player. It went into turn 14 or 15. Um, you know, just... It's definitely a test. Uh, no, being Playing competitive duels is about knowing the meta. And you have to do certain things to help you get an advantage sometimes. Um, something I do that's kind of greedy... If your opponent doesn't play a back row and you set Cosmic Cyclone, you have two sets. You banish your own card. You banish your own Floodgate. And then you can use Sorcery Conjure to start your Invoke. Because Invoke does brick when you don't have Alistair. So, that's what it's all about. It's about playing to get an advantage. Knowing what your opponent's going to do. Knowing if they're going to play back row. Knowing what their sets are. That's all competitive dueling. And that's all it is right now. 
Okay, so that is it for me. I will see where I get in the Kaiba Cup. Esports last week, Duel Links Meta MCS24 happened, and it's a good way to. It was a good preparation for the Kaiba Cup Stage 2, what people are going to play. And let's see. Blackwings definitely showed up a ton, but Invoked really. Uh, Invoked did a little better in the top 32 if you're counting the score. Invoked, they started separating themselves into categories. So there's Pure Invoked, which is the version I play. Uh, Element Saber Invoked. This is a very common deck. And then Magician Girl Invoked. Dark Lords also showed up a ton. Those are the top three decks, really. Ritual Beasts are still very strong. Crystrons, you see them occasionally. And Amano Stun is actually... there. That was a card that I just shat on. You know, I just... Didn't believe it, but I did see it a lot in the Kaiba Cup. I would say it is worthy of a tier slot. They could just shut down your abilities. Depends if they go first, I feel like. It's like it's a thing like that. First place, MA, Harpy's Hunting Ground, Black Wings. This is a very expensive deck. Um, some decks don't run Bore of the Spear, but it seems like this is the optimal build. So you have three copies of Bore of the Spear, and then... Three copies of Samoon, so three copies of Black Whirlwinds. That means you have to buy full three buys of Aerial Assault and Black Storm Rising. Two Gale the Whirlwind, which is probably the best tuner. It's a card you want to attack um, with like a Floodgate or something. Two Chris the Crack of Dawn. It's kind of like a same thing as Bora the Black Spear. The, they're similar cards. Uh, quick, a quick summon. Four stars for a decent attack. One copy of Steam the Cloak, another level three tuner. One copy of Oroshi the Squall, it's your level one tuner for Samoon. One copy of Jin the Rain Shadow, this is just a free card, uh, another level one tuner. Three Black Whirlwind, two Cosmic. And then here's the interesting part about this deck two tech cards, one Necro Valley, so that is against Invoked primarily. Um, Necro Valley can counter a bunch of plays, but Invoked, they're just moving stuff in and out of the graveyard, so in the banish zone, so that prevents that. And then here's this card. One copy of Summon Breaker. This card probably you never heard of. Field spell. During their main phase one, if the player if the turn player successfully conducts their third summon of a monster this turn, it becomes the end phase. So what is this for? This counters black wings. This is for the mirror. They probably want to get those three monsters summoned. And then the duel, the the turn just ends. So it's a warning against Blackwing players. Um, yeah, that's what it is. Ends the turn against Blackwings. Second place, Karaki Seal Tombs Ritual Beasts. Ritual Beasts are seeing a shift in that the two of the top four are Ritual Beasts, and they do not run Plasma. I think Ritual Beasts were an engine for Plasma, and now it seems like they can just work on their own. So this deck, one Lava Golem, three Winda, three Canahawk, one Petalfin, three Rampengu. This is a card that's seeing more play. Three Elder, one Apelio, one Ritual Beast Return, one Shadow Imprisoning Mirror, that's her tech card, two Treacherous Trap Hole, and two Ritual Beast Ambush. Ritual Beasts are a deck that because they can contact Fuse multiple times a turn, they let effects go off. It seems like you're playing against Metaphys. 
I personally have a bias against these decks, but there's a little more action than Metaphys, so I'm okay with it. You kind of just let them do their thing, you can't counter it. Um, obviously, the way you counter um, Ritual Beasts are with... Um, you know, you try to hit one of their things before they like their main tuner or something before they get they get um they get their contact fusions going. Actually, now that I think about it, the first place player's summon breaker also works very well against ritual beasts because they have more than three summons a turn, so their turn will just end there. <clears throat> Third place Kurosoki, transcendent crystals, crystrons. Um, this seems like the best way to play this deck. Transcendent crystals ensures that you throw away some cards, one or two. Uh, depending on how many crystal beasts you have, of course. So there's two tortoise, that's it. And the whole goal is just to dump those cards um, into the graveyard, your Crystron monsters, so you can get their effects going off. Um, because that's all their their effects are. Like they, they need monsters in the graveyard to work, to special summon themselves to get their effects off. Um, something I noticed, this, de- this deck doesn't have any way to play Sea Stealth or, or Whale, so a Whale, so that's gone. And there's two copies of Pulse Mines. So Pulse Mines is very good because it turns all monsters that turn into defense positions. So in a special summon meta, it makes a lot of sense that any synchro summon, any contact fusion they play will get switched to defense mode. They can't attack. So very solid card. But of course, it's a 30-card deck. Um, no grass or anything like that. So it's just a 30-card deck. What are your chances of drawing into Pulse Mines? It's kind of low. Deck also runs three copies of Ultimate Providence. And with this deck almost all being monsters, you can counter some monster effects, which is very strong in this meta. And finally, Chris, Sealed Tombs, um, Ritual Beasts, again, with no, um, no plasma in this deck. Pretty much the same build as the second place guys. Uh, Lava Golem, Shadow Imprisoned Mirror. Got a few more monsters. You got Lara in the deck. Same with Treacherous Trap All. Two copies of that card. Alright, so that is Duel meta from last week. Let's check out the meta weekly number 99. Looks like next week's going to be the big 100 for them. Congrats. Got the same power struggle here. Invoked, Black Wings, Dark Lord, all fighting for the top spot. Here, though, we see Element Saber invoked, taking a step. They're gaining steam. They're they're being more highly represented than Magellanica, one-turn kill. First place, Chris, the guy who just got third place. Sorcery, Conduit, Element Saber invoked. So, yeah. The advantage of invoked playing Element Sabers is you don't have to follow Attribute. You just play your best Element Sabers because they have their 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 gimmick is they could change their attribute once per turn. Clearly, the best one is Malehu, who has that quick ability. Basically, the Paleozoic Canadia, you could turn a monster face down, so you could just use this to abuse effects, to prevent effects. I mean, um, it's a dark. It hits for nineteen hundred. I think the main weakness card it has zero defense. I think you flip this card down, it dies. I guess. It's the bad thing about this card. But anyways, if you want to check out this deck, three copies of Alistair, three copies of Element Saber Malehu. The other one is one copy of Element Saber Malo, three Cosmic Cyclones, that's for a Sorcery Conduit, one Invocation, three Field Spell Palace of the Elemental Lords, 
three Floodgate, three Paleozoic Canadia. So, um, yeah. Paleozoic Canadia also is a water monster, so when that gets back on the board, you can make Coxitis if you don't have those Element Sabers available. That's another option. This deck does run Purgatrio. This is a card I don't have, but it, it that's kind of the reason why people play Lava Golem sometimes in their Invoke decks. Deck does have conf a retaliating C, not confronting the C. Retaliating C is kind of like the Earth switch off with Scrap Goblins. Some decks run those car uh, that card instead. Second place, KC Full Plasma Ritual Beasts. Of course, this is the older version of Ritual Beasts. It seems like it could still work. They rely on Draw Sense High Level. They do have Lava Golem in the sideboard, so Draw Sense High Level can work for Plasma or Lava Golem. But other than that, you have the same components as the previous deck. There is Rampengu, there are Treacherous Trap Holes, otherwise the same um, Ritual Beast deck. What you'll have to do is basically just pay for a window. You'll spy through that box so you can get multiple copies of Spiritual Beast Tamer window. Third place, Scrocky, Transcendent Crystals, Crystrons, another Crystron deck. This one only has one tortoise, so they're just dumping one card into the graveyard. Um, minimalist build, Pulse Mines again. Um, no Sea Stealth or Citadel Whale. And third place, Toonie 5703. This is a pure Invoke deck with Sorcery Conduit. There's something spicy though. Um, they do run Lava Golem for Purgatrio, two copies of Nightmare Penguin. I think this is the best water card to play. Uh, like I mentioned, it, it gains 200 attack and it powers up Coxitis. Coxitis goes to 2000 with it. Three copies of Scrap Goblin, three Cosmic Cyclone, two Invocation, two Concentrating Current, three Floodgate, and a copy of Heat Wave. Heat Wave is a Rex Raptor card, his level 33 award. This card can only be activated at the start of main phase 1. Neither player can normal or special summon an effect monster until your next draw phase. I, th I think I tried playing this card in the deck and it didn't really work because it kept... I was always behind. And this is a sneaky good lockdown card. Another reason why Yu-Gi-Oh is so cool. You could just dig into some obscure ass card that you got. When you first started the game three years ago, <laughs> Rex Raptor level 33, and there's Heat Wave, so. Yeah, if it works, it works, right? So, Duelings Meta updated the tier list for the KC Cup. As expected, Black Wings are tier 1, Invoked are also tier 1, Dark Lords are here, and Ritual Beasts. Ritual Beasts, based on the results, they show up a little less, but they do really well against the meta, so I guess what, that's why they're there. They seem more tier 2, but they can beat the, the tier 1 deck, so that's why they're here. They've joined Dark Lords, um, so yeah, this four, four way fight, four way dance here. We call it three way dance, but it's four way here. Uh, fatal four way here. Four top one. There's no tier 2 deck, as they say. Tier 3, we have Amano, Stun, and Crystrons. Crystrons have showed up enough to warrant a spot. I don't think that's a wrong uh, wrong call there. Unfortunately, he's out. I think my experience has, of playing the deck, um, you just have to have a lot of things line up. And it just doesn't work. 
The Banish wants a turn ability. It's, it's not a bad ability. Fortunately, every comes back every turn. That's not a bad ability either. But it seems like you just have to... One thing goes wrong, and then you're left with a monster with like 400 attack on the board, and that's just not... That's just not going to cut it. Like their their base monsters, the fortune ladies, are just too weak, and then you leave them on the board when something gets interfered, and then that's the end of the duel. Even with three copies of fortune lady calling and fortune past, I mean fortune vision, future vision. I mean um, the consistency of just getting a single play isn't there, and sometimes just playing fortune lady every on the board, she doesn't really protect herself despite having high attack. It just doesn't work out. Hopefully the deck can come back. Cause I, did, I did like playing the deck. And I never hated playing the deck. But it isn't working out in the meta. Okay. Like I mentioned before. Today is Yu-Gi-Oh! Day. Um, I don't know how they decided it was Yu-Gi-Oh! Day. But I think I saw something on Twitter. Before. Uh, let me check right now. Might just be for the TCG. I'm not really sure how exclusive they are with this, but let's see. No mention here on Konami's page. Yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh! Trading Card Game Europe. Let's see what they say. All right, no mention there either, but I'm pretty sure. Oh, here's the TCG's account. Well, it is, you know, they say November 23rd to 24th, so I guess today and tomorrow are Yu-Gi-Oh! Day, but there's no mention on their Twitter page, so I don't know if it's Yu-Gi-Oh! Day, but let's just pretend it is. My podcast question of the week is, there are many card games out there today. What is it about Duel Links or Yu-Gi-Oh! that keeps you playing? What is your favorite thing about the game? Um, You know, this is, there was a time when there weren't many card games out there, and Yu-Gi-Oh! was the first one. Never was the first one. I mean, it was the paper. Magic was first. I'm not sure. Then Pokemon came out. And then uh, Digimon. I never got into Digimon. Uh, anyways. And Yu-Gi-Oh! came out when I was in the 6th or 7th grade. I forget when. 7th grade, I think. And it was just there forever. And in the era of digital card games, of course, I started playing again because of Hearthstone. I think Hearthstone made paved a huge way for digital card games to come. And then now there's like a ton, so they're they're all fighting for your attention. I exclusively play Duel Links now as my digital card game. I only play like two games now, so uh, Duel Links is like my number one or number two, depending on how I feel. And I'll talk about why, but let's talk. Let's see what other people have to say. Marble Scrabble says I'm too young to be a landowner, so I guess this <laughs> it's kind of a hilarious response to this question. But he, he says he plays uh, Duel Links because he doesn't have adult responsibilities yet, I guess. Um, this is an interesting discussion. Um, it's actually kind of philosophical. Like, I'm a little older now. I'm almost 30 years old. Uh, less than a month, I'll be 30 years old. And I, I don't know if I've shirked responsibilities in life because I'm busy playing games. This is like a, This is something to think about. On a lonely day, you could think about whether you could have done more in your life uh, because you're busy playing Hearthstone or Yu-Gi-Oh! or something. Maybe. Uh, But, you know, I am... You know, I work a lot. I don't work a lot. I work a normal amount. 
and I've I haven't shirked all my responsibilities. I am sort of a landowner, I guess. So I guess what I'm saying is that you can do both. You can you could just put you know the games aside for a little bit, think about life, or you could have a healthy balance. You can you can do both. Like you don't just put everything away, unless that is you get so distracted by playing card games that you can't get through life. I get I guess that is a problem, but. There is a healthy balance. Let's say you get somewhere in life, and then you could go back to the card games, or you get back to your games. There's no, there's no way you need to throw it all away. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Pro bench warmer of the uh, Duelist Inner Monologue says, "To be honest, the many archetype gimmicks and whatnot keeps me wanting to experiment and try new ways of playing decks. I've played Teppin, and it just isn't the same." So Yu-Gi-Oh, I think, is notorious for having so many archetypes. And you just have to know what they all do. They when they introduce a new card game, I mean a new set, they dip into they they probably bring some new ones and then they bring support for some old ones. So it's a constant drag on your attention span. I think that's one thing that Yu-Gi-Oh specializes in. Average Gatsby says, Ooh, Teppin has so much going for it, so much good going for it. I just wish screwing your opponent out of place by clogging the board with a pointless action card last second wasn't as much of a viable strategy. I did play Teppin. It's still on my phone. And what he's talking about is there's a timer. So Teppin's kind of like a fighting game. You use you kind of use fighting game characters. And there's a timer, like a fighting game. And you sometimes you don't kill your opponent. And then it's a really tough fight. And whoever wins, whoever has, whoever has more health points, uh, hit points, by the time the timer runs out, wins. And sometimes you could just spam things, take up the screen, hero actions, take tur- they have like an animation, so it takes some time. So there's like a thing where you could screw up the time, I think that's what he's talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, but anyways, back to Yu-Gi-Oh! Archetype gimmicks, there are many. Femi Bazue, the monster artwork and the great game strategy. Um, segue into artwork. There is a artwork book for Yu-Gi-Oh. It's called Art of the Cards <laughs> instead of Heart of the Cards. I took a picture of it in my on the Twitter page a while, like a year ago or, or so. I went to a bookstore and they had um, they had Art of the Cards. Living Sword said, "Played since the beginning. I've tried many games since, and even went back to Pokemon TCG for a bit. But I always returned to Yu-Gi-Oh. Once a duelist, always a duelist." This is very true. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! was probably the first card game I fell in love with I that I learned how to play. I wasn't good, but I learned how to play the TCG. And then, you know, like half my life went by, and then I went back to Duel Links. So it's like, I never really hated... I, ne- I never really wanted to put the game down, but it was just circumstances. Getting through school, primarily, and then I went back to it. Delhi Vision says the consistency with new content and updates. Yes, uh, we can't. With all the complaining we do in Duel Links, we have to give credit credit to um, you know what they do. They they do update a lot. It's kind of like you have to play a balance of designing a card game with lore. What are characters that you want to introduce? I mean, they haven't done a great job with Scud, for example. Like, they skipped some good characters and they put in some useless ones, but there's definitely a balance. You're playing like a storyline web, and 
There's also the balance of what's release. When's XZ's coming? When's Pendulum's coming? When's this coming? So um, definitely a balance. It's not an easy job, and they've done a good job um, with the new content and updates. Personally, for myself, I think one thing I want to mention is it's kind of what Pro Benchwarmer said about the archetypes. Yu-Gi-Oh! is a very, very complex game. There's Duel Links is dumbed down. There's no main phase two, so I guess thank goodness for that. There's only three monster zones, three spell zones. It's easy right now, but even in Duel Links, the way that Yu-Gi-Oh! tests your memory on things, <laughs> they just put so many cards in. Nothing is taken out. Um, nothing... You know, like, you don't ban too many cards. It's a huge library of cards. And you have to know what they all do. I think that's one way you have to play the game. And I, I enjoy the challenge of it being a difficult card game. I know um, former host Deck Tech, he, he mentioned how difficult it was. Um... I never really saw that as a problem. I welcomed the challenge. It will will deter some new players. They look at how difficult it is and they say, I don't want to play this game anymore. But for the people who like it and like the challenge, that keeps them going. The the ability of it to challenge you consistently, to remember what all the cards do, to see how they interact, to see when a card can come back into the meta. That's a really nice challenge for them. Dedicated Yu-Gi-Oh players. So that is probably my favorite thing about the game. Let's get into some of the other R's and N's that are in Aerial Assault besides the Black Wings. Of course, this box is known uh, by for playing the Black Wing deck. But let's look at some other cards here um, that I have not mentioned so far. So Monarchs. Um, Pro Benchwarmer did hit something. I think he hit King Games of Monarchs or the Stage 1. I forget what it was, but um, a lot of work was done by the SR uh, cards. Of course, Erebus, the Underworld Monarch. Let's see what some of the other cards are. Mobius, the Mega Monarch, level 8, Aqua, Water, 2800 attack, 1000 defense. You can tribute summon this card by tributing one tribute summoned monster. When this card is tribute summoned, you can target up to three spells or traps on the field and destroy those targets. If this card was tribute summoned by tributing a water monster, add this additional effect. Your opponent cannot activate targeted cards in response to this effect's activation. So it's a solid addition. It's a Mega Monarch, which means you'll have to have had a tribute summon and then tribute that one. So there's always that tricky uh, double tribute summon you have to pull off. You have to fight off various uh, trap cards your opponent may have or econ things like that um the companion vassal card is escher the frost vassal which is a bit situational because you need to special summon that card if your opponent has two spells or traps that's not impossible but you don't see that every day you sometimes see one spell or trap uh the full board you know typical control strategy you don't see that too much anymore. But, you know, two spells or traps is not impossible. You get Escher on the board. And then um, you get another Monarch. And then you get this Mega Monarch. It could be solid against uh, Harpy's Hunting Ground Blackwings. Because they pretty much start off with two uh, face-up spells already. 
There is a spell card, continuous spell called March of the Monarchs. Tribute summoned monsters you control cannot be targeted or destroyed by card effects. You cannot special summon monsters from the extra deck. So, this gives vital protection. Seems like a core card for area. Tribute summoned monsters. No targets immune to card effects. This could actually be pretty solid uh, for vampires. Uh, if you're playing the old style vampires where they don't have a synchro play with Plague Spreader, of course, but um, you know, solid protection. Their monarchs are typically going to be a little understated compared to 3,000 attackers in the meta, so um, you know any extra la- layer of invincibility is welcome. This seems like a pretty good card. And of course, monarchs like you know, disposing spells or traps. This is another spar trap. Even though there's no effect in the graveyard, it's still a spar trap. Dark advance a trap card during either player's main phase or battle phase. Target one monster in your graveyard with 2,400 or more attack and 1,000 defense. Add it to your hand. Then immediately after this effect resolves, you can tribute summon one monster with 2,400 attack or more and 1,000 defense in face-up attack position. You can use this once per turn. Situational trap that lets you get a monarch from the graveyard and tribute summon immediately, almost like it's a special summon. You do it so fast, you just do it during you do it during your opponent's turn, and then you get an effect off of being a monarch. You know those one tribute monarchs; they can flip things down, they can destroy things. Um, but it is situational. You need to have a monster on the board, and you need to have your monarch in the graveyard. Some late game play. I don't see it being core to their strategy, but it's a little tricky play that you can run for Monarchs. Here's another Vassal, the Wind Archetype Vassal. We don't have the Wind uh, Monarch, but we have a Wind Vassal here. Groom, the Storm Vassal, level 3, Winged Beast, 800 attack, 1000 defense, of course. You can return one tribute summon the monster you control to the hand. Then you can special summon this from the hand. You can add special summon cards from the extra deck for the rest of the turn. If this is tributed for a tribute summon, you can add one monster with 800 attack and 1,000 defense from your deck to your hand, except for this one. So the cost, the special summon condition for this vessel is bouncing your own monster, your own monarch. And that's not great for the board, because you lose a bigger guy to get the smaller guy. But um, it's a special summon, so you can just play that same card you, you put back on the board, so it's like nothing happened really. It's not a net gain for the board, but it's not negative. You you break even. And what you do is you basically recycle the effect of the Monarch. So you get the monster from the graveyard. So there's there's some card advantage. You get the card back from the graveyard. A different vassal. So this is for abusing effects of the Monarchs, which seems pretty solid. And finally, an equip spell called Restoration of the Monarchs. Activate this by target one monster in your graveyard with 2400 attack and 1000 defense, or 2800 attack and 1000 defense. Special summon it in defense mode. Its effects are negated. Equip it with this card. When this card leaves the field, destroy that monster. The equipped monster can be treated as two tributes for a tribute summon. Yeah, that's it. So this is like a card. There's a card for um, normal monsters called Symbols of Duty. Similar card. Um, that's awesome play way in the beginning of the, the game. Not very useful here. The monster is just a beat stick, no effects. Monarchs do like tributing summon, tribute summoning, though. So it is a plus in providing two tributes. But sometimes this equip spell is just dead. Doesn't do enough for the archetype. Move on to battery men. There's two new 
R cards for battery men, in addition to the 9 volt. This is fuel cell, battery men fuel cell, level 6 thunder, 2100 attack, 0 defense. If you control two or more face of battery man monsters, you can special summon this card from your hand. Once per turn, you can tribute one battery man monster except for this one, select one card your opponent controls, and return it to the hand. Some high risk, high reward here. Not not high, but it's like high moderate. Um, you have to have a full board, but it's not too hard to do with battery men. There's a card that even just lays out tokens. You could special summon um, Power Cell. I forgot the, the boss monster's name. But um, when you have two free special summons, it's not bad. You can set up a one turn kill too. It, there's a control ability, you tribute battery men. And then you bounce any card your opponent controls, so it hits back row or hits a set monster, like many of the invoked decks just play a set monster. And it does send a card to the graveyard to tribute the battery man monster. That gives ammunition for your power cell. I forgot the card's name, the, the boss monster. <laughs> I said it again, but it does provide a card for ammunition for that card to be used. Um... It's it's a typical battery man card. It's one turn kill type play. I don't know if it's enough. It seems like they need you know those three monsters on the board, of course, and you of course your hand has the lineup. You have to have this card in your hand. The other card that goes along with this card really well is a continuous trap card called Portable Battery Pack. Select two battery man monsters from your graveyard and special summon them in attack position. When this card is removed from the field, destroy those monsters. When both of those monsters have been removed from the field, destroy this card. This works exactly, so it works great with Fuel Cell. You you uh, bring two monsters back, and then you can play Fuel Cell, and then you could bounce one of them and uh, send a card back to the hand. So, you know, this was made for this card. They should work together. If you are going to build a Battery Man deck with these cards, these two just work together really well. I think for a card like Portable Battery Pack, it's good to have a skill, a dual skill, where you could send cards to the graveyard, like Transcendent Crystals are for Crystrons. You send those cards to the graveyard, and you have the turtle on the board. This is the same thing. Um, we could play Grass is Greener. You can populate your graveyard with some Battery Man cards, but I don't think there are enough good Battery Man cards to go around where you could just dump a bunch of them into the graveyard. What are these Synchro cards? Synchron type cards. Drill Synchron. Level 3 Machine Tuner, 800-300. If a warrior monster you control attacks a defense position monster, inflict piercing. Once per turn, when you inflict piercing, I mean you inflict battle damage with this effect, you can draw one card. This gives your it gives your other cards piercing. It's kinda like um Cyber Angel Dakini has that ability. Except Cyber Angel Dakini is competitive on the board. This is an 800 attack tuner, which you don't want on the board. You want this to tune something to make a synchro play. So, very useless ability there. Um, and slow. It's a slow tuner. It doesn't come out quick. Not very good. It is the specific tuner, though, for Drill Warrior. Level 6 Warrior Drill Synchron plus another tuner. 2400 attack, 2000 defense. Once per turn, during main phase 1, you can have this card's attack. And it can attack directly. So it's 1200 directly. Once per turn, you can discard a card. If you do banish this card during the standby phase, special summon this card from this effect. 
then add a monster from your graveyard to your hand. So this is kind of like you attack directly, then you could throw away a card and protect yourself by banishing. There was a play like this, um, this Dimension Gate, I forgot what that direct attack in Raging Flame Sprite or some uh, some deck. But, um, you know, Cyber Darks do this much better right now. Cyber Darks can attack twice, uh, various abilities with card draw and thinning the deck. Um, even Golden Castle Stromberg is probably a better strategy. Um, this one you'll have to run Drill Synchron and a Fast Material. I'm thinking Psychic Tracker. It's probably the best one. Give this card extra attack. Make it hit for 1500. Maybe that's a play. But you're losing board advantage. You're discarding a card to save this card. But then you have to have that good back row to save you the next turn. Or you get squashed that turn. So not a great strategy in my opinion. You'd rather have that monster on the board to help protect yourself. But you know, I've seen... I've seen these strategies work sometimes. Jet Warrior. Requires Jet Synchron and a non-tuner. Level 5, 2100, attack 1200. Warrior. If this card is Synchro Summoned, you can target one card that your opponent controls. Return it to the hand. If this card is in your graveyard, you can tribute one level 2 or lower monster. Special Summon in defense position, but banish it when it leaves the field. You can use each effect once per turn. So, you know, that you are Synchro... That Synchron is the only material for this that's a level 1, so you need a level 4. You bounce a card, sure. But it's just 2100 attack for Synchro Monster, which, you know, you are you accept some of the lower ones if they have really good abilities. There's a Blackwing one, um, Sahaya the Rainstorm, 15, sure. Uh, but Armadides, 23. You typically don't go for this 2100 if you don't have to. You probably want to turn this into another Synchro material, you get the bounce off and then you do something. Not very impressive at all, in my opinion. Move on some other cards. Breeze Synchron, level 4, Machine Tuner, 1500, 1100. If this card is sent to the graveyard as Synchro Material until the end of this turn, the Synchro Monster that used this card as a Synchro Material gains 600 attack, but its effects are negated. Um, it's only useful for letting your monsters hit over some 3000 attacker nowadays, like Invoked Mag Magellanica. You don't really want your monsters to lose their abilities, really. And then Synchron Carrier, level 2 machine, 0 attack, 1000 defense. Once per turn, I mean, during your main phase, you can normal summon one Synchron monster in addition to a normal summoner set. If another Synchron monster is sent to the graveyard as Synchro material for the Synchro summon of a warrior or machine, war, machine type Synchro monster, while you control this card, you can special summon a token with level 2. Alright. Not, not too bad, actually. This lets you ramp. You can play a free two stars on this card, and then you can play, like, Junk Synchron with uh, Dark Verger, and then you have seven stars of materials there. There could be something with this card. There could not be. It's very possible there isn't, because I think the Junk plays were very... They were solid in the beginning of Synchros, when you're playing Akiza, and then you hit two cards with Junk Warrior, I mean, Junk Destroyer or something, but... It seems kind of slow in this meta right now. This, this meta seems too fast to run these cards. A couple other notable cards. There are a lot of not notable cards of this set of R's and N's. Uh, here's the boss of the Sea Monsters. Super Armored Robot Armed Black Iron Sea. Uh, level 8 Insect, 2400 attack, 2000 defense. If you have 3 Insect Monsters with the same name in your graveyard, you can target any number of them. Special Summon this card from your hand. Then equip those monsters to this card. Then you could send one monster equipped to this card 
by this card's effect to the graveyard, destroy all monsters your opponent controls whose attack is greater than or equal to that monster sent to the graveyard. You can use each effect of this monster once per turn. Not really a good card, but it's a fun one. It's the boss monster, those roaches, the sea. It requires a setup of having three insects with the same name. There probably is a lot of deck thinning, a lot of cards being floated, like Residence Insects, probably one of the cards you want to use. And then once you hit this near impossible condition, you probably won the game because you wipe you could wipe your opponent's board. Um, this is more of a fun card, but I would like to see it work. It will be pretty frustrating, I think. A lot of other cards are unnotable, but I think this one is notable. It's a continuous trap called Mind Drain. Activate this card by paying a thousand life points. Effects of monsters in the hand cannot be activated. So the best comparison to this card is Debunk. Debunk is the counter trap that does it once, and then it also hits the graveyard. So there's advantages to Debunk. Bunk, you're playing the Parshaft package probably to run counter traps to power uh, the Parshaft trap card. Um, this is useful though. You can lose a thousand life points and then it's a meta. It's a meta call right now. Of course, Sorcery Conduit, while you can still lose a thousand life points, and while that skill's not getting nerfed, I'm saying you can help trigger that to draw uh, Alistair. You can, there's two people are running um, Kyderoids. This hits Kyderoid right away, so they can't even use that card. It's just stuck in their hand. Um, yeah, um, this is an alternative to Debunk. Debunk's a fine card. It's invoked Magellanica. Sometimes um, only the cards in their hand is what saves them. Those Kyderoids, those Sphere Karibos are what saves them. So um, this is definitely a card to consider, I think. That is it for the discussion of Aerial Assault. This is a card that's probably, you're fine not buying it if you're not going to play Black Wings. I don't think I've bought it too much. Uh, I might go through it for Invoked Purgatrio, of course, but these R's and N's generally are not too impressive. Um, probably Monarchs. Monarchs are a fun card, a fun archetype to shoot for a little bit in this box if you're interested. Alright, so Doug Timmon Duel is back. He has an updated, updated Battery Man deck. He's got the new cards from Aerial Assault combined with some of the old ones. He actually knows the name of the boss card for Battery Man. Here he is right now. This deck probably isn't competitive in the meta right now, but he states that it's very fun to play. So check out Battery Man right now. Hey there, this is Doug Dimadul with Doug's Casual Deck of the Week. This week, I'm revisiting uh, Battery Men. Since they got new support from the recent box, I thought this would be a pretty good place to take a look at. 
And man, I gotta really say that uh, this has been a pretty fun casual deck to play. It has some competitive potential, and not so much given the current meta, but I think if things switch up, Battery Men can kind of sneak in as a nice rogue deck. But uh, really one of the big drivers of the deck is Battery Man Industrial Strength. If you remember from one of the older main boxes, uh, this card cannot be normal summoned or set. It can only be special summoned uh, by removing two Battery Man monsters from your graveyard. Uh, Once per turn, you can remove from play one Thunder-type monster to destroy one spell and one trap card on the field. So the newcomer, though, that is really the thing that's making this deck fantastic is Battery Man Fuel Cell. It's a level 6 Thunder, 2100 attack. If you control two or more face-up Battery Man monsters, you can special summon this card from your hand. Then once per turn, uh, you contribute one Battery Man monster, accept this card to select one card your opponent controls and return it to the hand. So there's a lot of cards right now that are uh, that have negative effects when they're destroyed and sent to the graveyard. Uh, This bypasses that by really focusing on sending stuff back to the hand while also getting Battery Man cards into your graveyard to hopefully get into your industrial strength play and really setting up to go for an OTK. So uh, Battery Man has really high OTK potential. Uh, I do run one copy of Thunder Seahorse. It's level 4 Thunder, 1600 attack. You can discard this card, add two level 4 light Thunder type monsters with the same name with 1600 or less attack from your deck to your hand. Uh, You cannot, I believe you cannot special summon uh, during the turn you activate this effect. Uh, so this card is just pretty good to search out either your Battery Man 9 Volt or your Battery Man Solar. So Battery Man 9 Volt is probably one of the best cards that combos well with Fuel Cell because this searches out your Fuel Cell. It's a 1,000 attack, 1,000 defense, level 4. Uh, when this card is summoned, you can add one Battery Man monster from your deck to your hand, and if you do, this card's attack and defense become double its original attack and defense. Uh, you can only use this effect once per turn, and then during your end phase, destroy this card, which is not a bad thing because Battery Man Industrial Strength thrives off of having uh, these Battery Man cards in the graveyard. Then I run three copies of Battery Man Microcell. It's level one Thunder. When you flip it, special summon one level four or lower Battery Man monster from your deck. After this card uh, has been flipped face up, when it's destroyed by battle and sent to the graveyard, you draw one card. So essentially, you're going to want somebody to attack into your Microcell. Special summon your Battery Man 9 Volt because it is a level four or lower Battery Man monster. And then from there, search out either your Fuel Cell or or your industrial strength, depending on how late in the game you are. And then from there, you can get into some really, really good plays. Uh, Again, I run my two copies of Fuel Cell, one copy of Battery Man Charger. That's level 5, where when this card is normal summoned, you can special summon one Battery Man Monster except Battery Man Charger from your hand or deck. This card gains 300 attack and defense for each Thunder-type monster you control. Uh, Of course, you run your three copies of Battery Man Solar, 1500 attack, and when it's summoned, you can send one... Uh, Thunder-type monster uh, from your uh, deck to the graveyard. It also summons the token onto the field. But the strategy really lies in having Battery Charger, where you pay 500 life points, special summon one Battery Man from your graveyard, because what this does is allows you to fill your field uh, with enough Battery Man cards to get your fuel cell onto the field. Uh, the other card that I like to use is Powerful Rebirth, because when this card is destroyed, it doesn't destroy the monster that it's linked up to. So all in all, it allows you to, really the strategy is to set up multiple Battery Man cards on the field, get your Fuel Cell, 
on, you know, on the field, start sending cards back to your opponent's hand. And from there, you're able to hopefully clear the board enough to uh, get rid of any threats and swing for game. This is a very OTK heavy deck now. Uh, and I think Fuel Cell really was the missing piece to make this deck just a little bit more competitive. Because I felt like Battery Man Industrial Strength was taking too long to develop. But now with the use of 9 Volt and the use of Fuel Cell, it really, really speeds things up. And it allows for more explosive plays. This is really some full potential Battery Man stuff compared to what we had before. So uh, even if you want to try this on the ladder, I would give it a shot. And, uh, you know, hey, maybe you might enjoy it. But anyway, that's it for my casual deck of the week. I will see you next time. Take care. Okay, thanks, Doug. And you can check him out on this podcast every week with a casual deck of the week in his Twitter page, Yu-Gi-Oh! Deck Talk. Talk about upcoming news to finish out the episode. A tag duel tournament is coming probably after um, the Kaiba Cup ends, probably on Tuesday. New cards, Violon Prison and Dark Archetype. Alluring Alexis is back. Cyber Tutu Bond and Magnificent, Magnificent Machine Angel. Yubel, Jaden Yubel are retired. Uh, in December, Raid Duel, The Netherworld Cometh, Rakocha Raska. You get to obtain a duelist, probably Rex Goodwin. Duel Quest, early December, Leo and Luna's Duel Carnival, mid-December, new cards, Jester's Panic and Jester's Queen. Mid-December, Blair Flanagan will show up, I think. And it doesn't say her, but she's a main GX character in the late uh, seasons. New cards, Maiden in Love and Cupid's Kiss. Dark signer Carly Carmine comes back. Will fortunately come back. New cards and new dual skill. That's mid-December. Duelist Chronicles 5Ds. We've finally reached the new Duelist Chronicles for uh, 5Ds. Fight for the Fortune Cup. So uh, I'm interested in learning the story there. And finally, Dual Circuit late December. New card Pilgrim of the Ice Barrier. So that is it for this podcast this week. Thank you very much for listening. Subscribe, listen on any of your platforms. All these notes are on WordPress, thedualassessment.wordpress.com. Email thedualassessment at gmail.com or on find me on Twitter, dual underscore assessment, my own personal page, Green Ranger CCG. All right, thank you for listening, everyone. Happy Yu-Gi-Oh! Day. Good luck in the Kaiba Cup.